The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? This is the Punt and Pass Podcast. Touchdown, baby! Now, here are your hosts, two-time All-American punter Drew Butler. Mark Rick would like Drew Butler to hit it a mile in the air. And he did and the SEC's career leader in touchdown passes and completions, Aaron Murray. Touchdown! In stride as he crosses the goal line. Put it right on his hip. What a throw. Now with the latest from around the SEC and the world of college football, it's the Punt and Pass Podcast. Get to the house! Sideline! Pylon! Touchdown! And the dogs are on the board first. Victory is mine. Yeah, surprisingly, I've been lame. Welcome into the Punt and Pass Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Butler, joined as always by my co-host, Aaron Murray. Aaron, I'm excited. I'm fired up. We got a great weekend of college football ahead. It's week seven. The only thing I'm a little bit bummed about is that after this weekend, college football in 2019 is halfway over. That's just crazy to me because I feel like, and I know, that the wait this offseason was so long, and you blink, and now we're halfway through the season. But we got some good games to be fired up about. Wouldn't you yeah, agree? I would <laughs> Wake agree. up. I I, you know, with you sometimes, I think you're going to keep going there. <laughs> we're was, all good. I want you to uh, get in here. Talk uh, to me. I appreciate all the early throw-in. <laughs> no, and, and, and luckily, it is the longest season in, in college football yes. history. So that is that is a positive. So. For those who are a little worried that we're already halfway done, there's still a lot more to go. Obviously, the playoffs, and and this is kind of this is the exciting part. I think the beginning of the season's fun. You get to see some out of conference games, but now, to me, this this is the meat and potatoes. This yes. is where it all matters right now because this is this is conference football. Absolutely. I mean, you get the Texas Oklahoma. You get great SEC play this weekend. You get big great Big Ten play this weekend, and that's kind of how it's going to be the rest of the season. There may be a couple out of conference games here or there, but these are the games that matter. It's almost been like a, a warm up for some of these teams, a little sure. appetizer for the fan base to, to get their minds right for the second half, the most important half. And now we can really start diving into, I think this weekend, some legitimate talk about who deserves to be in the playoffs and who doesn't. Yeah, because there, there's going to be teams eliminated this weekend. Yeah, no, Texas, Texas could be officially gone. Oklahoma may be gone if they lose this game, might be gone if they lose – and, and 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 don't sleep once again. Don't sleep on FSU. I'm not saying they're going to win this game, but the way Clemson's has looked this season, and I'll even give you an early pick right now, Drew. I would take Florida State with the points right wow. now, win that football game. I just think there's a lot of excitement going on. Like I said, there's this is make or break time for a lot of these football teams, and 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 this is the fun time for the fan bases. No, you're totally right. Games starting really this week will have implications on the college football playoff. The four teams always play themselves into it, and it starts this week. We got some awesome matchups. Number six, Oklahoma. Number 11, Texas in the Red River Shootout. Number one, Alabama heading to number 24, Texas A&M. Number 10, Penn State at number 17, Iowa. Obviously, number 
seven, Florida heading down to Baton Rouge, number five, LSU, and then South Carolina heads to number three, Georgia. Those are the games we are going to talk about. Be sure to follow us on social media at Punt and Pass. He's at Aaron Murray. I am at Drew Butler 13. We're always active on game weekend. Shout out intern Christina. And we've also got an awesome interview this week. We got Dan Orlovsky from ESPN on the podcast about halfway through. Dan's a friend of the show. He's on Get Up. He's on Sports Center, College Football Live, NFL Live, and he's actually calling the game this weekend in Athens, South Carolina at Georgia, which kicks off at noon on ESPN. Before we jump into that interview, I want to talk about something that happened last night. Well, I'll talk about something first, some good news. We found out the gender of our baby. It's another girl. So yes, add, my boy's got two girls. Yes, indeed. Add another yes. bow to the Butler Brigade. The band is adding another girl, so we're fired up about that. Shout out you to my wife, You got to figure that out for the next one, man. I you know. don't want to be stuck with three girls. I know, right? I you know, don't right? don't want to be stuck with so three we girls. Is the, that it, though? Yeah, that is it right now. That's it right now. Uh, I think, well, right now, meaning we're not having twins. We'll, we'll no, see how it goes. It's up, yes. you know, it's up to my boss. I just follow directions. But keep in mind, I said on Monday's podcast, the last time my wife was pregnant, Georgia was in the national championship, and it was a girl. So book your hotel rooms in New Orleans if you were a dog fan. I had the whole family over. We had the whole family over just to tell them. We just had a balloon. Bridget walked down with it. It was awesome. We had fun. But the Braves game was on TV. God. And the Braves game was something unlike I've any ever seen before. And you were texting me too, Aaron. You're like, I cannot believe this. I cannot believe what I'm watching right now. Dude, so- I, I- we're literally watching it as I'm, you know, I'm doing the afternoon show yeah. with, with Childers and and our producer Hugh Morris is a, a he lives in D.C. but for some reason is the biggest Braves fan in the world. Cardinals fan? No, Braves. Oh, he's a big Braves fan. Yeah, he was a huge like gotcha. I mean like passionate Braves fan like loves him some Braves, watches every single game and it's so funny because there's a, a, a we incorporate him a lot during the show. And I, for some reason, I just, we're in the middle of talking and I didn't turn on the, the game right away when it started. And, and he literally went mute. Like we, it was his time to like kind of talk <laughs> up, ask some questions, like what's going on. And CC just started laughing. He goes, look at the, look at your, uh, turn on your TV, turn it on for nothing. I was like, Oh, Oh, I mean, oh. Shit. I mean it got and, then, quick. Boom, and, boom, and boom. And Hugh, you could just tell, I thought he was going to start crying. I thought my boy was going to start crying on uh, on Sirius XM yesterday. He was he wouldn't talk. He wouldn't communicate to us. He said, you and CC can run the rest of the show. I'm done. I'm out of here. I'm going to go get drinks right now. And uh, yeah, what an ass whooping. Oh I can't God. believe it. was unbelievable. So I tweeted out after the top half of the first inning when it was 9 nothing, and I said, what is the football equivalent to this start and I got like a hundred replies somebody said Sean Foley buddy of mine said 70 to nothing about halfway through quarter one yeah that's right but then I started getting specific games 08 Bama Georgia down 31 nothing at halftime when Georgia was number three in the nation that hurt Ryan Skates by the way I love Ryan Skates poor man's game note shout out to him he is the most pessimistic Georgia fan I know God love him I think things are changing then he goes 2012 South Carolina game you played in that one, Murray. Yes. That was a kick in the mouth right that off was, the bat. That was like you look up, you're like, whoa, oh, Lord, what, what just happened? Uh, those are those moments where you blink literally as a player and you're just like, did that just happen? Are we did it, were we dreaming? Is this a bad dream or is this reality? Yeah. Like, did they just put 30 points up that fast and are we already down by 30? 
2015 Alabama when Georgia was favored in that game in Athens. Block punt. Bama just absolutely stranglehold of Georgia right off the bat. I got a bunch of Falcons 28-3 tweets, which, you know, obviously that's not how a game would begin, but you wanted to be on the other half one. And then Rob Mason says Cumberland, Georgia Tech. That's like the biggest win in college football history when Georgia Tech beat Cumberland 222 to nothing. And that's what I was like, yes, this is the worst possible star. I got a couple of Broncos, Seahawks, Super Bowls from back in 2013. That made sense to me. And then the Bears, Patriots, 85 Super Bowl. That made sense to me as well. Clem McDavid, though, Clem's a a listener of the show. He gave me a specific scenario, which is kind of what I was looking for. He said, kick six, pick six. Scoop and score, starters knocked out with injuries on successive possessions. Yes, I mean, that is what happened to the Braves last night. Return the touchdown, kick it off, pick six, 14-0, kick it off, fumble, scoop and score, 21-0, and then knock out some starters, fourth possession of the game. Yeah, I've never seen in, 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 in Little League Baseball or anything in my life, I've never seen a no. 11 run no. first inning ever. Like literally, not, I'm not even in Little League. I mean, I saw people tweeting, like, is there a 10-run roll after, you know, two innings where you just cancel the game at that point? Like, do you just move on? You know, I met all those fans, and that was the worst part. I mean, my neighbor oh hit me up. She's God. like, you know, you want to go? You know, we're going to the game. Y'all should go. I'm like, no, nah, I got to work. I'm sorry. I wish I could. And I'm texting her afterwards. I'm like, yeah, maybe I don't wish I could. Unbelievable. <laughs> guys, I know people are, like, leaving after the third inning. I mean, this was... 19 years now, man. 19. Had another year since last time they've won a playoff series. Unbelievable. I think it was the most runs ever allowed in the top half of a playoff game ever in the history of baseball. They've been playing baseball for a really long time. I was in the car. I had to go run a quick errand after that top half of the first, and I turned it on 680. Joe Simpson, who does the color for the Braves, they came back from commercial break, Aaron. They go, Joe, what do you think? (laughs) He goes, "Uh, uh, I mean, and he goes, Honestly, guys, I, I don't have anything to say. I'm speechless. I was like, my God, dude, aren't we all? That's not good. Aren't we all? All right, we're about to go throw it to our interview with Dan Orlovsky. But before we do that, if you're having a little bit of trouble being able to watch games during football season, and this weekend you got a ton of games to watch, all you need to do is do what Aaron and I have done, and that is sign Buffalo Wild Wings football prenup. Aaron, you did it on your Instagram, made a whole commercial out of it, at Aaron Murray 11 I did it when I was in San Diego last weekend, at Drew Butler 13 And the best part about it is that you get to literally sign a legal document that says, hey, honey, I want to watch these games, and in return, you can get X, Y, or Z. It's a great trade-off, right? It's a fantastic trade-off, especially on a weekend like this weekend where you've got top 25 and top 10 matchups, Buffalo Wild Wings football prenup, saving relationships, making people happy. And really, it's a win-win outcome. I did it. Aaron did it. You should do it as well. Do you think you came out? And I know Sharon was probably happy with it as well. Marie no, she whooped my ass. She, she got, got you. Every, she got me. She, she got, got me. She, she's getting a lot of good stuff out of the deal. So whatever. I get to watch my games. And uh, she 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 she's a lawyer though, so I, I set myself up for failure there. No, but you know, you know you, but you get to watch the football games that matter. Yes, I do. Most to you, but and she you, won some good stuff though. She's very happy with the, the outcome as well. Well, hey, the best offense is a good defense, That's just true. like a football prenup. 
Yes. Brought to you by Buffalo Wild Wings. They're saving football. They're saving relationships. And in the end, saving America. Get your football prenup. Hashtag football prenup Buffalo Wild Wings. That's the name of the game. You got to do it. You got to do it. We did it. We're smart. I wonder if Dan Orlovsky did it. Dan is obviously a super busy guy. Gets to watch a ton of football from ESPN. Friend of the show. Calling Georgia versus South Carolina this weekend. Here he is. Enjoy this interview with Dan Orlovsky. All right, let's welcome in this week's guest from ESPN, Dan Orlovsky. You can see Dan every morning on Get Up. You'll see him on SportsCenter as well, NFL Live, College Football Live. He is a college football analyst. He will be calling the Georgia-South Carolina game this weekend in Athens. And he's a 12-year NFL quarterback veteran, not to mention one of the nicest guys I've ever met. Dan, thanks for joining us, my man. How are you doing? I'm doing well after that introduction, bud. I am doing fantastic. Man. So <laughs> it's all the truth. It's all the truth. Yeah, you're obviously on your way to Athens right now. You're calling the Georgia South Carolina game this weekend on ESPN. That game is at noon. Before we talk about that, though, you've had a chance to really get your eyes on a lot of the top teams in college football, and we've got a great slate of games for week seven. We'll stick. In the SEC first, Florida's heading down to LSU. I think you've seen one of these teams up close, man. What Joe Burrow and Joe Brady are doing on offense is something that people haven't seen in the SEC in quite some time. And then Dan Mullen, Todd Grantham, that Florida defense, this seems like a great matchup. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. You know, it's, it's strength on strength, which is obviously when you get into sports, especially football, is awesome to watch. Um, you know, when, when you look at the LSU offense, they, they've certainly been incredibly explosive. And the real thing is this, and, I, and it's funny because going into this season, I think I was on a radio show or something, and, I was, and I, someone asked me, like, hey, what, what do you expect out of, you know, uh, Burrow and LSU offensively? I was like, here's the key. They need to take the handcuffs off from the get-go for Joe Burrow. Like, last year they still – all right, play good football, and, and then turn it on at the end. And when, when they turned it on and opened it up, we saw them play really good. And so I was like, let's. I, I want you. I want them to take the handcuffs off Burrow early on, and that's what they've done this year. And it's just totally taken this offense to a new level. Um, that being said, uh, I've I've seen Florida in person. I watched them against Tennessee. I've obviously studied them on tape. I think Florida's got a really good favorable matchup in this game. A couple reasons why. I'd say one thing that had not happened against LSU in the offense this year is no defensive back unit has gotten up to the face of the LSU receivers and put hands on them and just made it a physical game at the line of scrimmage. There's been so many free access throws. Well, that that will not happen against Florida. I mean, CJ Henderson and Mark Wilson are going to get up in the faces of these LSU receivers. And the second thing is, you know, Grantham does such a nice job of, showing you two coverages in one play. And sometimes as a quarterback, it takes an extra half a second to figure out what are you in? Like what coverage is that? And that's going to give Zaniga and Grenard some time to get some pass rush going. So um, LSU has not played a defense anywhere remotely close to how athletic and long and violent and creative 
Florida's is. And so I think Florida's defense has got a really good opportunity to have a big, big game. Yeah, they are really aggressive. I saw an interesting stat this week that Florida leads the nation in uh, in percentage of pressures on defense. But coincidentally, Joe Burrow is the nation's best quarterback under pressure, completing over 70% of his passes. And he has the highest touchdown-to-interception ratio. He's got six touchdowns, zero interceptions when pressured for a passer rating of 151. Look, Aaron and I played at Georgia with Todd Grantham. We know how aggressive his defenses are. Do you think there's any chance that Florida's defense could be too aggressive because that RPO offense with really NFL schemes that Joe Brady brought from the New Orleans Saints seems like they might be in a good situation to kind of expose when they expect Grantham to dial up some exotics? Well, I don't think you ever – like. Could you be overly aggressive? I would say if this was a coordinator that didn't have a ton of experience and know what he was doing, sure. But Grantham's too smart for that. Yeah. So I will say like the RPO game, the number one way to shut down and or minimize the RPO is playing man coverage. Now, the good thing for Florida is they have the guys who can play man coverage. I think a big guy for them um, might be Sean Bradley because uh, the, the fact that he can – play man coverage on some of the matchups that um, LSU has been able to get going really on the inside of the field between those hashes type things. He could be a really big matchup favor for Florida. And I think that's going to, again, lend them to be more aggressive. Sounds like you're leaning Florida in this game. LSU is almost a two touchdown favorite at home Saturday night in Baton Rouge. What's your, uh, what's your lean heading into the game? Yeah, I mean, I would lean a, a, more if this game was not in, in Baton Rouge. I, I, I've never played down there. I've never been down there. So it's hard for me to quantify the impact that that, is, that, that, that will have. Um, but I think if we're looking at Mullen versus Aranda, I think you got to lean Mullen. And then if I think we're going Grantham versus, you know, uh, uh, Joe Brady and Esminger, like I, I think you lean Grantham. And then again, wow. the the – the, the strength of Florida versus the strength of LSU, I think favors Florida because they're going to do stuff to LSU that no one's done. And here's the thing, Drew, to me, what happens? Because this has not happened to LSU yet this year. What happens if they score three points in the first quarter? Yeah. Like what happens if Florida comes out, punches them in the mouth and the, the offense isn't clicking. And then you go, okay, what do, like, what do we do? Like, how, how do we, how do we change? How do we, counter what they're doing to us and, and that's going to be interesting to watch so um not a betting person but if i was i would i, would, I think i lean towards florida all right interesting insight there yeah definitely probably going against the public there but that's usually the sharp play i cannot wait to tune into that game it's going to be an electric atmosphere for sure another big time matchup and a great rivalry this weekend is the red river shootout at the texas state fair in dallas the cotton bowl texas taking on oklahoma oklahoma has the nation's number one offense led by jalen hurts lincoln riley obviously a quarterback whisperer at this point they are rocking and rolling but texas no slouch themselves. They upset Oklahoma a year ago. Sam Ellinger, man, he is a baller. Kind of reminds people of Tim Tebow in a way that he can just take over a football game, move the chains, and provide that confidence level for his offense. And Tom Herman, how he coaches as an underdog, the record speaks for itself. I think this is interesting because, one, 
you know Texas isn't scared heading into this game. Two, I'm interested to see how Tom Herman goes up against Alex Grinch, who's really had a decent season as Oklahoma's new defensive coordinator, even though they really haven't played anyone. And three, if Texas were to win, this could really throw a wrench into the college football playoff picture because I just don't see them beating Oklahoma twice in one season like they did last year. What's your thoughts here? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, The interesting thing about this game uh, for me is like you you mentioned Alex Grinch and his Oklahoma defense has been better, but it's built on speed. And Texas, when they're at their best offensively, is built on power. And I kind of liken to last year's game where Ellinger kind of took this game over physically. Like they, 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 he, he ran the football yeah. on this Oklahoma defense. Like he did against Georgia. Uh, they need, yeah, they need to do that. Like he needs to control the football game. I almost look at it the way the Colts beat the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday night yeah. football last week. How did they slow down the Chiefs offense? Well, the Chiefs offense was on the sidelines. And that's an easier said than done thing. But I think Ellinger needs to control this football game with his ability to run and hit timely passes, no doubt, but keep Jalen Hurts and that offense off the field because Texas is so um, not good in the secondary yeah. and also beat up and young that they're not going to slow down a CD Lamb or a Calcaterra. So um, I think you got to keep your defense if you're Texas off the field. And then you know, I know Texas's defensive coordinator, Todd Orlando, and I know one thing about him. He will not let Jalen Hurts beat him two ways. At least he's going to try to make sure that Jalen Hurts does not beat him two ways. I would expect him to go, Jalen Hurts, you will not run the football on us, or at least, again, attempt to make sure you're not going to run the ball on us, and I'm going to make you beat us throwing the football. And, you know, we haven't seen Jalen Hurts really do that, as, as remarkable as he's been this year. And so... Um, that'll be the really interesting thing of how this kind of this game shakes out. So how do you do that? I mean, it hurts is so well getting outside of contain. If you're going to try that with your DNs, do you dedicate a linebacker to spy him the whole time? Because he usually rolls out to his right, and then if nothing's yep. there, he pulls the ball down and jaunts for about 25, 30 yards. It seems impossible to stop. Is it that easy just to say, hey, we're going to dedicate a linebacker to make sure he doesn't gash us for 15, 25 yards? No, no, it's it's a couple of different ways doing it. And, and again, I, I try to kind of make correlations here. Like the team that does it the best in regards to this is the New England Patriots. Yeah. Um, and what they do is they never rush at different levels. They always rush at the same level. So they never afford the quarterback who wants to have a scene and or to get out of the pocket. They never afford that to happen. It's almost like they rush like synchronized swimmers where they stay on the same level and move laterally the same way. So that wall kind of constantly stays in front of them. And what they do is, okay, we're going to give you a little bit extra time to throw the ball here. And we're going to trust that we can stay in coverage, but we're not going to give you the opportunity to stab us where will you get out of the pocket? And then that eight yard play becomes a 60 yard play. And so it takes a ton of discipline from your rush. Now Florida's got a nerd. Florida. Texas has got a good front seven and a good front, and so they got to be really disciplined. I don't think it's a, a spy guy because Jalen Hurts is too big, too yeah, athletic, sure. too fast to just go, hey, you, you've got him all game. It's got to be a, a concerted effort. And then, you know, I think what you want to do is when you pressure him, you pressure him off his right and you make him go left. He's, he's not nearly as um, – nearly as deadly to his left as he is to his right when he breaks down on a play. 
Yeah, I think the matchup here, and, and you're breaking these down awesome, is going to be Sam Ellinger against Kenneth Murray. Kenneth Murray is just an absolute baller, mm-hmm. middle linebacker for Oklahoma. That should be an interesting matchup. What's your lean here? This game is noon Saturday, Texas State Fair at the Cotton Bowl. Do you think Orlando can slow down Jalen Hurts, or is it just going to be an Oklahoma onslaught? Yeah, I think Oklahoma is too good. I, I think Oklahoma is one of those teams that consistently is getting better. That probably is not getting talked about enough. Um, and I don't. I, don't, I think Florida is, again. Florida. I think Texas is too beat up on their back end to slow down an offense that has done whatever they've wanted all year. So I, I expect Oklahoma to win. All right, let's talk about the game you're covering. Georgia, number three team in the land, will be hosting South Carolina, coached up by Will Muschamp, former Georgia letterman. Ryan Helinski, the quarterback, is actually playing really well. Georgia, a huge favorite in this game. They're going for their 16th consecutive win over an SEC East team. It's rare air for Georgia fans, Dan. We're used to kind of watching these types of games with one eye closed, saying, please don't let this be the game where we don't show up. Kirby Smart and this coaching staff has these guys playing at such a high and consistent level. I think most dog fans are going to be walking into Sanford saying, Georgia better cover. I want them to score 40 and win by 30. One thing I want to ask you about, though, because you're so good at breaking down offenses and specifically quarterbacks, the Jake from paradigm. And and what I mean by that is when I am on social media, which is what I do during the games, I kind of sit there and gauge the interests of the fans. If he is not gashing teams, throwing for 300 and scoring six touchdowns like Burrow, like Tunga Vailoa, like Hurts, people don't think it's good enough. I want your thoughts on Jake Fromm specifically and then kind of more broadly about this Georgia offense and how they're performing. I would say that Jake Fromm is the best connect-the-dot quarterback in college football, and he does it better than anyone in college, meaning – Okay, when he gets his play call on the defense, okay, this guy did this. That means the next guy has to do that. That means the next guy has to do that. There's, that's where the football goes. And you see uh, how he does that at such a efficient level, at a such a high rate. It goes so underappreciated. Um, Jake Fromm is, is not the um, – one, it's not the style of play that they want him to play. We've got to remember where Kirby cut his teeth and kind of has – taken this model and so he he doesn't believe in throwing the football 45 times a game because um i guess it's almost like an old adage there's there's three things that can happen when you put the ball in the air and two of them are bad right the other team can get it or it could hit the ground and so um he's much more of a i want to control the football game be really good at what we do and then make somebody else beat us with their execution over four quarters um, I would I would tell you that if I was a, a general manager uh, of a, a NFL football pro organization and all these quarterbacks that are coming out next year, because one of the most underrated things about evaluating quarterbacks going into the NFL is realizing they're CEOs of billion dollar companies. Um, I, I, Jake Fromm would be the number one guy that I would be in in on saying, OK, give me a reason why I shouldn't take this guy as, as my top quarterback pick um, just because he's so good at everything that he does. Now, does he do something as great as maybe a Tua Tunga Vailoa? Well, tell me what he can't do. Like tell me what Tua can do that Fromm can't do. Um, because if you put Fromm in that offense with those guys, 
I would argue that those numbers would be eerily similar. Um, if you ask me to sit, talk about Jacob Eason, uh, listen, Jacob Eason's not there for a couple of reasons, but one of them is because Jake's there. So I think Jake is the best um, quarterback that plays with a why, meaning why did you do that with the football? He could tell you why he did that with the football better than anyone. That leads into a listener question from Jason Fiante on Twitter. He asks, how do you project from at the next level, which is pretty much what you just did, but more specifically, whose offensive system would he best fit with if he came out early after this season? Yeah, I mean, who do I project them to? Like, when I just watch him play on tape, he reminded me of two people. One is Troy Aikman from back in the day for the Dallas Cowboys. Like, again... Uh, incredibly accurate with the football, knew where to throw the football all the time, like never threw the football to the wrong place. And then the second guy minus the like the physical athleticism, but Andrew Luck. Uh, oh, wow. Andrew Luck was the same type of player where ball went to the same right place at all the time. Like you can tell, um, totally understood, was not never played the guessing game, totally understood where the football was supposed to go all the time. And he can get to three, four, five, like, like, like it's supposed to not rather than, Oh, I had to move in the pocket 12 times. And that guy just happened to be there. And he does it fast. Um, what, what's the best offense for him? There's so many different kinds of offenses in the NFL right now, because of the infusion of a lot of college concepts and whatnot, you know, an offense, if he could get it to a place that is similar. Now there's not a lot of places like this, like a, like a Sean Payton's where, Oh, wow. Where the quarterback, um, the quarterback brain is just as important as the quarterback's physical skill set. Um, that's the best place for him to be. Okay, so Aikman and Luck were both first overall draft picks. So was a good buddy of yours, Matthew Stafford. Do you think Fromm has what it takes to be a first overall draft pick whenever he does decide to come out? I do. Wow. I really do. I, because here's the thing. You're going to look at the tape and go, wow, the tape is really good. Checks and all then the you're going to look at the results. And then you're going, oh, that's really good. And then those teams are going to sit with him and go, whoa. I mean, this kid is everything we want. And now everyone's going to go, like, he can't make the splash play or he can't run around. But he's so good at those other things, he doesn't need to. Quarterbacking is like um, a lot of quarterbacks. It's survival in a way. Like, what do you have to do to survive every single play? And Fromm has so many things with his arm, his accuracy, his anticipation, the types of throws he needs to make, and his brain and his feel of color that that's his best thing to survive. Where, you know, there's there's guys out there like, again, uh, maybe a Tua or a Jalen Hurts that what do they need to survive on that play? They can use a little bit more of their, you know, Tua is more of a sudden athlete where Jalen's more of a powerful space athlete. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I – Again, what about Jake Fromm's game would tell you he can't be, other than he doesn't run around and make plays? I love it. I love it. Yeah, that's interesting. I think that'll get a lot of notoriety coming from you, and uh, you know what you're talking about, so that is sweet. I got one more question for you from Twitter. Jason Kofar asks, was film study something you always enjoyed and took pride in because the way you break down plays on film on TV really is second to none and gives the viewers a really great insight into the plays. I got to agree with Kofar here. You are a stud when you're breaking down film and plays on TV. Is that something you always really enjoyed when you were in the NFL? Because it translates awesome on TV. 
Well, first of all, I appreciate that. Uh, it's really, really kind for, for you and, and that Twitter uh, question questionnaire to say. Um, yeah, I always loved it. Uh, I think it goes back to this reality, Drew, and this is just me being honest. When I was a 15-year-old sophomore in high school, I was six foot five, or was 180 pounds, or was like 15 shoe, and I ran a six two forty. So like, <laughs> I had to figure out ways that if I was going to be good at this, I better find stuff to mask some of the inefficiencies that I had. And so, the brain was always something that was a, um, a helpful asset to me. And tape study became a big part of kind of. Uh, how I closed that gap and I became obsessive with it in college because I, I got results out of it. And the same thing when I came into the NFL and then when the NFL made it abundantly clear that I was a backup, um, tape study was the, one of the things that helped me keep my job. Um, it wasn't only to get myself prepared, but it was to, to prepare our starter and to find stuff on tape that helped our starter play better and then to find stuff on tape that helped our defense play better, um, just watching other offenses. So uh, I quickly kind of used it. I didn't know it at that moment, but a kind of a a uh, internship in a way to to what I do now for my living. And yeah, I love it. I, I I'm a kind of a, a nerd in regards to that. I'm, I have an ego that I want to be the smartest person in the room, so that plays into it as well. Uh, but yeah, I, I love doing it, man. All right, so you've obviously broken down a lot of tape for the game this weekend, Georgia versus South Carolina. Give me a quick synopsis of what she, we should expect at noon on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, Georgia's going to play their game. Uh, you know, I, I would say South Carolina's got two young DBs that are, are really good, and they'll challenge some of the question marks at, at receiver for Georgia a little bit that I believe that are still there. Um, but I would anticipate that Georgia comes out and tries to be aggressive offensively and, and takes a shot at some point, especially to a guy like Landers or Pickens. Like, can we get a ball downfield to get some juice for their offense going? Uh, and then – you know, South Carolina uh, is doing more to try and get Brian Edwards to football, specifically in situational football. Um, but Georgia's defense is, is, is smart enough to understand that. Kirby's smart enough to understand that. So I'd expect Georgia defensively to go, okay, you're not going to beat us throwing the ball to 89 a ton. We're going to make someone else beat us. And Helensky, for everything that he's done so far that has been nice, uh, is gonna is gonna face a defense, and, and I would say Georgia's defense is better than Alabama's this year. Um, is gonna face a defense that is gonna be suffocating and not gonna give him anything easy. Yeah, Georgia's defense really playing better each and every week, and the offense is just so efficient and so smart with the football. Should be win number sixteen in a row in the SEC East for Georgia on Saturday. All right, before I let you go, and I, I asked for ten minutes of your time. We're going on twenty. I just really enjoy talking to you. I was no, thumbing through. Good. I was thumbing through your Twitter. And you obviously have a lot to say when it comes to NFL and college football. I mean, it's two in the same. I saw one thing. You were really talking about time of possession and how important you think it is, or so I think you think it is, based on your Twitter. When I was with the Cardinals, Bruce Arians used to say, I don't give a damn about time of possession. All I care about is time of production. He would say, put points yeah. on the board. It doesn't matter if we have the ball for 10 minutes and they have it for 50. If we score a ton in those 10 minutes, we might be all right. Well, I, I, yeah, I mean, he makes a valid point. Like, at the end of the day, it's about points scored. There's no question about it. And I, I would say it's points per possession. But if you go and hold the football for three minutes and, you know, get – 17 points and my defense is on the field. Like everything's connected in football. We don't yeah. talk about that enough. And my defense is on the field and we only give up 10. That sounds great. Um, but eventually our defense is going to get worn out. And we 
With that, no. Uh, different. You there, buddy? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Is this bad? No, no, we're good. Hang on a second. I got I to gotta give it. Um, I'm giving you the name right now. Hang on. Dan? Yeah. Who's Dan? He's I'm Dan. Dan. Who's Jeff? That's me. Is Bob with you? Bob is not with us. He's on his way. Oh. All right, we're good. Sorry. Um, There was my answer. Awesome. Awesome. There you go. Can you cut that off? Yeah, yeah, I can cut it off. And then I got one more thing, and then I'll let right, you go. Sorry. Yeah. And then the last thing before uh, we let you go and head to Athens, I have been stumping on this for probably the better part of three years, more specifically on this podcast, but how bad are officials? How bad are football officials in the NFL and in college football? It's sad that they have such an impact on the outcome of games, yet they share no accountability for how poorly they can do their jobs. It drives me crazy. It drives me crazy. What are your thoughts? Well, yes, I think the officials are bad, and I've been very outspoken on this. But let me say this. I don't think the officials are to blame. I think the NFL is to blame. Um, this, is the, this is a sport that has the biggest and baddest and fastest and quickest and strongest and most violent athletes in the world. And these guys um, have high collision impacts and, and high, you know, high intensity plays every play. And we ask 60, 65-year-old officials, who aren't in physical shape to follow them to, to make impactful calls. Yes. The number one thing are the two things that go quickest when you get older are your reactions and your eyesight. Why do we have officials that are 60, <laughs> 65 years old? I could not agree with you more. Those are the two most important things to do with that job. You know what I'm saying? And so that's, that's what I would say uh, in, in regards to that. Absolutely. They need to overhaul it, blow it up, and get stop putting Band-Aids on symptoms. And, and get to the root of the issue. I do want to say one thing because I, uh, covering so many sports or so many different, I think I said Sean Bradley for Florida. I believe I met Sean Davis. Sean Davis. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, number 31. Yeah, my bad. So I wanted to clear that up. I did not think Sean Bradley the big seven footer for the Dallas Mavericks. Um, <laughs> but no, I think the officials are, are, are a, um, it's a, it is a, a, a core issue more than a symptom to me. I could not agree with you more. Dan Orlovsky, friend of the show, thanks so much for your time, man. Safe travels to Athens this weekend, and I know you'll be busy tomorrow, but do me a favor. Have lunch What's at up? the Royal Peasant in Little Five Points. It has the best burger. It's the Lamb Burger. It's a special every single day. It's a local spot. Best food in Athens. Best hang in Athens. The Royal Peasant. That is an unpaid promo right there to my man, Dan Orlovsky. If I, tell them, if I tell them you sent me, am I eating for free? You, yes. Tell them I sent you, and they'll probably <laughs> make you pay double, but you got it, so you can, uh, you can handle it. All right, my man, I appreciate you, and have a great weekend in Athens. Thanks, buddy. appreciate you, man. Big shout-out to Dan Orlovsky for joining us. He had just landed in Atlanta. Aaron, I know you weren't able to make that interview, but I think I held in for you. And uh, it was very solid. I think the listeners will get a lot out of that. Funny part at the end of that interview, though, he was getting out of the car to go play Eastlake Golf Club. And he had to get off. Was the- he really good for him? Yeah, he was. And he was like, hey, hold on one second. I just I just left it in there. Dan, sorry to embarrass you. He was like, was that good? Did I mess up? 
No, dude, you're all good. Enjoy Eastlake. I saw that on Instagram right after we hung up. So hopefully he's playing well. It is absolutely beautiful. Oh, in today's Atlanta. the perfect day to go a little golfing in. Today. So big shout out to Dan. Thanks so much for your time. Aaron, let's jump into these week seven games. Tell people what to expect for this weekend. And also this weekend, we talked about it right before that interview, the Buffalo Wild Wings prenup. You have so many games on this weekend. Shout out to my guy, Brandon, at prime.tv.install on Instagram. He hooked me up with the man cave in the basement. I got three TV screens. I'll have them all rocking on Saturday. I will not miss one snap of meaningful college football, and I will absolutely bring the heat on Monday's podcast because I will be the smartest man in America. Not as smart as me, my friend. Not well, as smart as me. I got the late I game. I got the late game, so I gotta I wanna watch all the damn games too now. Well I gotta get you with my guy Brandon at prime.tv.install. I, I gotta get my game better. My, my man cave slacking at the moment. And Sharon will love it because it is seamless. No wires. He moves outlets. He is a total stud. Follow him at prime.tv.install for all of your man cave needs, all of your security cam needs. He makes it look great. The wise will approve. So big thanks to Brandon. All right, let's jump into these games. Let's start with the Red River shootout. Number six, Oklahoma against number 11, Texas. It's at the Cotton Bowl, Texas State Fair. Oklahoma is a 10.5-point favorite. That seems like a lot of points in this game. The over-under, 76 points. And before we get there, a lot of points. I am 24-12-1 against the spread. Aaron is 20-16-1 against the spread through six weeks, punt, pass, and pick. I'm very good at this. I'm very good at this. Let's see how we do this week. Aaron, take it away. Oklahoma, a 10.5-point favorite. Jalen Hurts, Lincoln Riley. They haven't really played anybody yet. Texas took that loss to LSU. Sam Ellinger, I think, needs to have the type of game he had against Georgia in the Sugar Bowl last year, dominate time of possession, keep that offense off the field, move the chains, but most importantly, put points on the board. You remember what the score was last year versus like these two? 48-45? Yeah, yeah. 48-45. I've been telling myself all week that I'm going to take the under, I'm going to take the under. And then I just looked at that, and I'm like, how do you take the under so. when they played each other last year? And it was 48-45. to 45. Gosh darn it. That's know, a lot crazy. of points, man. Crazy. What is it? 70 what? 76 is the total. I mean, gosh, that's a lot. I, in a think, rivalry like, game like this, too. I know, but you would you would just think the defenses are going to step up maybe just a little bit. Just come on. Give me a little defense, especially Oklahoma. Um Kenneth Murray's t- a baller. That middle line. Oh, that dude is a stud. He's I'm taking the I'm line. taking the under in this one. I do. You're I think the under. defense is I especially I think they're better. I do. I think Oklahoma's defense is better. I see this as what did you say the score that's a 76? 76 and Oklahoma's a 10 and a half point favorite. Do you think like Texas would slow play him, right? Like just try to grind I think out six smart. I don't I, I I'm taking Texas with the points here. I yes. I'm taking Texas with the points here. Um but I I'm taking the under in this one. I think it's 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 going to be like a 38 to 34 type of game. Okay. Yeah, I like that. I like that. I'm taking Texas as well. We talked about it with Dan. Texas is not scared. Tom Herman as an underdog when he coaches has an impeccable record. These guys know the recipe to slow him down. I mean, I know Jalen Hurts is having an unbelievable year, but they had Kyler Murray last year. And I know Kyler Murray put up 45 points on this Texas defense, but Texas really has their backs against the wall in terms of a college football playoff. They need this win. I think it would be awesome for Ellinger to have two straight victories. 
over Oklahoma. And I said it when we started talking about this game. Oklahoma has not played anybody. No one. No. Houston no. was their biggest game. That was week one. Hurts went off for six touchdowns. And Houston is not good. We're, we're going we're gonna to see, is Hurts really, I think he is. I think he is an improved passer. But now we're going to see how much of an improved passer he is. Because this is a this is an okay defense for Texas. It's not, it's not Georgia. It's not Auburn, but it, it's, it's the best defense he's faced yet. So and they, but they're hurt on the backside. They got a couple of DBs see, out. Yeah. We're going to see if, how good he is throwing the football. So I like, I like Oklahoma. I, I love this football team. I do think they're playing better complimentary football on both sides. So they'll win this one, but 10 and a half points is a lot of points in a rivalry game like this, especially when Texas is good and Texas has played LSU and made that game pretty close. And I, I would think LSU is a better football team than, uh, than Oklahoma is right now at this point in the season. So fun game, going to be a lot of points, just not 76 points. All right, so we both like Texas plus the 10.5. Again, I just think Ellinger slow plays them. I think they try to grind it out on the ground and limit Oklahoma's chances with the ball on offense. Great, great scene there. We talked with Didi Westbrook on Monday on our show, Campus Store Live. He was, first off, hilarious, but he said this is one of his favorite games to play in. Such a cool atmosphere. Looks like we're both on the same side there. Texas plus 10.5. CBS game of the week, and I am scratching my head at how they whiffed on this matchup. Number they should one, have done the sixth day. They should I have know. done the sixth day. Do uh, it? Can you do it in week seven, though? Or is next week uh, the first Maybe that's week? the issue. Maybe that's the problem where they could have done it. And, and they just took a chance. They said, we think Florida or Auburn, excuse me, is the better team. We think Auburn's going to win. And and we're going to go with Alabama A&M because we know Alabama always has a good showing at 330. Yeah. If you were going to tune in. But they, I guarantee you. Love my boys there, and I haven't talked to them about it yet this week, but I'm sure they are kicking themselves a little bit that they don't have that 330 slot. Absolutely. So number one, Alabama heads to College Station to take on number 24, Texas A&M. Yes, this is the 3.30 p.m. CBS game. Alabama, a 17-point favorite. The total here is 61 points. Aaron, you saw Texas A&M up close and personal against Auburn, and Auburn, who really doesn't have as much firepower, I mean, not even close as Alabama's offense, absolutely torched Texas A&M. I think what was the final score? 28 to 20. And it was not that it close. It wasn't that close at all. At no. all. Auburn I think kind of put the brakes on a little bit. I think Alabama absolutely rolls here. I, I think Texas A&M faces some early adversity, doesn't have it in them to punch back. And how do you slow down the weapons that Alabama has? Tua is going to continue his Heisman run. Look, I don't think there's too much here to really analyze Jimbo Fisher's team is banged up. They're young, and they do not have as much depth or talent as Alabama does. And Nick Saban and these guys are going to go out there and absolutely lay one on them. I mean, lay the points. No, Alabama I, minus 17, yep. and it's as simple as that, I think. I'm, I'm with you on this one. They're, they're going to dominate them. And then one of the biggest disappointments this year has been the A&M offense. And I just hopefully the bye week, they get started to figure things out, but they're still – not they're, they're not going to be healthy at running back the entire season. They lost a bunch of their guys in the offseason. Kellen Mond is just not getting the support he needs to go out there and execute like he did last season. So Alabama wins this one. I think they went back in the in the off week too. Got better at tackling quarterbacks. I mean, that's a big issue for them. You go back to Ole Miss game and Plumlee just ran around everywhere. Um, and, and Kellen Mond is a mobile quarterback who is going to have to use his legs to win this game. But I think Alabama is a huge focus right now. Uh, in the bye week of working on ways to to keep him in the pocket, make him beat you with his arm. And I think they're going to have a great game defensively. I think they're going to start stepping up, just like we saw LSU step up last week. 
I think this Alabama defense is going to slowly start getting it together now midway through the season. And you said it best. This offense just can't be stopped. Too many weapons. So I got Alabama laying the points as well. All right. Same side there. Alabama minus 17. Again, surprise CBS did not pick the Florida LSU game. They missed out on a top 10 SEC matchup. Let's go to the Big Ten real quick before we close out with two SEC games. Number 10, Penn State at number 17, Iowa. Penn State on the road is a three and a half point favorite. You got a Big Ten total here, 42 and a half points. Nate Stanley threw three picks last week against Michigan. Penn State's offense seems to be clicking. This could be a decent matchup, a really good game. These two teams historically play really close games, and Iowa usually wins at Kinnick Stadium. In this rivalry, I think the Hawkeyes have a good bounce back game. I love a home underdog. Give me the three and a half points. I would expect Penn State to lay one here. Going to be a tough environment. Iowa needs this win. Absolutely needs this win after dropping it to Michigan last week. Yeah, and Nate Stanley doesn't throw interceptions. First time he's thrown interceptions since last year. So he's home. The crowd's going to be on his side. He's not got the fight like he did last week versus Michigan. So that's, for him, I think that's a comfort level. I think a refocus, too, of, okay, we're back home. I got that that turnover bug out of my system. Hopefully I'm ready to go. Uh, and the most, most important thing to me is, is this is a good Penn State team. But they even played anyone. I mean, they, Maryland was, as we've seen, has been very overrated. They beat Purdue, who is not very good. Pittsburgh's okay. Buffalo, no. And then Idaho. So they, they have not truly been tested. So how good is this team really? I don't know. And, and when things are that close to me, because I, I, I think both teams are, are very similar, I think both teams are really good. It goes to home field advantage. Uh, and in that point, that's why they are. Actually, no, it's surprising that they aren't Iowa favored in this game. But to me, I think both teams are very even. So for me, I go with home field advantage, and that's why I'm taking Iowa to actually win this game outright. I really like him. I do like Nate Stanley still. I think, he, like I said, he's going to clean things up, and they're going to get things rolling, and, and they play great defense. All right, we're on the same side again. Iowa getting points at home, plus three and a half, and it could be my Drew Butler flip the field free pick. Yep, give me the points. Iowa plus three and a half. Stamp it in. Drew Butler's flip the field free pick. Take the home dog in a Big Ten matchup. Night game at Kinnick. I love it. I love it. I love it. There it is. Iowa plus three and a half. Drew Butler's flip the field free pick, which in its first week went 1-0 last week. So I'm off to a great start. We agree on the first three games. Twitter fan and listener, AJD, Anna Joy Lynn, Anna Joe Lynn, said, I was listening to some old podcast episodes of Punt and Pass, and I missed last year's banter between Drew and Aaron over Notre Dame and how good they were, if they deserved a playoff spot, etc. Y'all agree too much this year. I agree with you. I don't really like Aaron, but we're just agreeing. So we're just It just makes sense right now. Simpatico. We spend a lot of time together. All right, here's the game of the weekend. Number seven, Florida, at number five, LSU, in Death Valley. Night game, Baton Rouge, LSU giving 13 points. The total here is 55 and a half. I talked to you on SEC Radio yesterday. Chris Childers, your host, said, why is this line so big? And I just told him, because Vegas is smarter than us dopes. It's as simple as that. They know what's going to happen, and I would be shocked if they were this wrong. How are they going to make the line this big and be this wrong, Aaron. To me, it screens LSU. It screens LSU. I'm sure the public is hitting Florida hard with all those points. But 
Joe Burrow, and we talked about this on the radio yesterday, Florida is the nation's best team and nation's best defense at pressuring the quarterback from a percentage standpoint. And coincidentally, Joe Burrow is the nation's best quarterback when pressured, completing over 70% of his passes, six touchdowns, zero interceptions for the best touchdown-interception ratio, and a rating of 151 when pressured. I like Joe Burrow and Joe Brady exposing Todd Grantham's over-aggressiveness from a defensive standpoint. Dan Orlovsky disagreed with me. He said he likes Florida in this game. I want to know what you know. I like LSU to win this football game, but I I like Florida with the points here. I I, going against Grantham's defense every day in practice. It is tough. There will be some shots down the field. If if you can figure it out and and get them a couple of times, if you can get the blitz picked up, I think you can have the opportunity to take some shots down the field and get some big chunk plays. But LSU offensive line has still been the, the major question mark for this team. This is a great defensive line. This is a coordinator, once again, that's going to bring four guys from a, a lot of different formations, a lot of different schemes from four down the three down, dropping this guy, bringing that guy. It gets confusing for an offense line who, like I said, already is not playing really elite football at the moment. So, and, and then you look at the back end for Florida, very talented on the back end. I, I just think they keep this game close on this side. And, and you know how much of a fan I am, once again, of, of Dan <laughs> Mullen and how he can scheme up a defense and get guys in the right position. I didn't think Florida's offense last week could have done what they did. And then trust me, they didn't do a ton, but this Auburn defense is a lot better than the LSU defense. And, and I think what they did last week, moving guys around, moving pits out, singling him up against DBs or linebackers or safeties, putting Swain in the slot as the number three guy. Uh, he, he just does a great job. And, and right now I think Tal Trask is playing really solid football He's taking care of the football. He's throwing it. I mean, he needs a better job in the pocket of when he gets hit of, of holding on to it. But that that's a mixture of the offensive line stepping up. So the game for me is going to be one once again in the trenches. What offensive line can have the best pass pro LSU's offensive line? Like I said, has some issues going against a very good Florida front four plus a team that's going to bring all, a lot of exotic blitzes. Florida's offensive line runs into the trouble of crowd noise not going to be able to get off the ball. Yep. And two, they have not played well this season when it comes to pass pro. So I think the winner of this game at the end of the day, like I said, is going to be the one who gives up the least amount of quarterback hurries, gives up the least amount of sacks. And, and I guarantee you that team is going to win this football game. So uh, I do think LSU is elite. They are one of my favorite teams. I am a yeah, big fan like of Joe like Burrow. This is a love triangle for you right here. Yes, this is a love triangle. I wish I was there to watch it all and just enjoy the moment. Um, but LSU wins this football game. It's going to be a fun one. But uh, give me four of the points. If you had to pick, and I know the answer, Dan Mullen or Joe Burrow in your love triangle, who do you roll with? I mean, who who are you taking out for a date and calling back, and who are you like dining and dashing on or never calling back? I need to know because I already know. I'm hanging out with Mullen. Man. You know, <laughs> oh, my God. Mullen, Mullen takes care of me, but we go to, we go to Oconee. We that go is to true. Lake, okay. You know? Okay. Hey, Dave Aranda versus Bur- Dan Bur- Mullen is way, the I, game I like within the Burrow, game. But Burrow is a really kooky personality. Yeah. Like, I, you, you guys know, wouldn't I, get together. I could see us being at dinner and just no conversation being had. Like, <laughs> how's it going? Good. What are you ordering? Steak. 
awesome. And that's, awesome. that's literally the, the extent of the conversation. So that's why it's like a one and done kind of thing. I'm laying the points. LSU minus 13. They win big. You like Florida with the points. Take them. They're getting 13, Murray says. Orlovsky was talking a lot about what you talk about, and it's Florida's defense being able to play press man against LSU's RPO offense. It's going to be a great game to watch, 8 p.m. ESPN on Saturday. All right, let's wrap this thing up. The game our guest is calling, South Carolina at number three, Georgia. Georgia down to a 23-and-a-half-point favorite, so I think there's some sharp action buying those points with South Carolina. The total is 52 and a half points and breaking news. We talked with Dan Orlovsky about Jake Fromm because I wanted his analytic and professional opinion on how Fromm plays the game and his perception within social media, rabid fans, and in the grand scheme of quarterbacking this year with outrageous numbers all over the place. He compared Jake Fromm to Troy Aikman and oh, Andrew wow. Luck. And I said, Hey, those are two first overall draft picks. Do you think Fromm has what it takes to be a first overall draft pick? And he kind of took a deep breath and goes, yeah, I do. Because you look at his film and you go, wow, what can't this guy do? And then you sit down with him and you go, wow, this kid's super sharp. And then you talk to the coaches and the teammates and you go, wow, this kid may have it all. So, I think that could catch some news. You know what's the difference between him and Andrew Luck and Troitman? Those dudes were like 6'5", 240, could yeah. throw the ball about 80 yards. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, I agree. That's, that's a little different. Yeah, I agree. And Andrew and Andrew Luck can run. He can scoot. He's a he big-ass dude. He's a big dude that can scoot. That That's and and i'm i'm I, Am I, I sensing wear my, a little animosity from the former number 11 georgia quarterback no i i wear <laughs> my jake from hat with i, I love i love some jake from he is a stud but when you look at the nfl today and, and the only reason why he's not the number one pick in the draft is you either need to be and it's true you have to freaky be six tangibles five. yeah well freaky intangibles and you have to be able to make plays you know the, the way of the, the the pocket quarterback is slowly going away it really is. Coaches yeah. want a guy that can extend plays with his legs. Not not a guy – you don't have to be Lamar Jackson, but they like a Kyler Murray. They like a Baker Mayfield. They like guys that can get out of the pocket, break a defensive defense down, uh, and that's where you get those big chunk plays. I mean, it's just – that's the way it's going to keep moving more and more, I think, for quarterbacks. I mean, if you're going to be a pocket guy, you better be 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six with a rocket arm. Yeah. Because if you're 6'1", and you can't move, they they don't like that. They just don't. You don't. When's the last time you've seen a six foot one quarterback drafted that can't move? I I I totally that, agree. That's with you. my is only Fromm issue. Only is, six one. Not, he's six, six one two. and a half. Six yeah, two. yeah. Measured at six two. So yes, he's six one. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So that that's the only. I, I, does he deserve to be a first round pick? Yes, I do. I think he's done everything. He's he's checked a lot of boxes. But when an NFL scout looks at him, they're going to say Jake is six one and a half. He's not very mobile. He has average to above average arm strength. He's accurate. He's a great leader. But a lot of those things, like they, they like I said, they want playmakers now. They want guys that can move. So I think that hurts Jake a little bit when it comes to draft stock. I think that's what drops him down to a second round pick. Because you look at Tua, good arm, mobile, accurate winner. You look at Joe Burrow, big kid, plus very mobile as well, accurate and a winner. Um 
so that what separates them, the, the ability to be athletic. So I think that's what drops them down a little bit. And same with Herbert too. Herbert's a big kid, rocket arm and can move a little bit. I'm looking at right now, Georgia's Twitter at Georgia football. It seems like, and this is 20 minutes ago, like they just released a Heisman promo video for Jake Fromm. Good on them. Hey, Hell Claude yeah, Felton, go. the Claude father, good on you. Start some Heisman campaigns for these Georgia Bulldogs. One, Jake Fromm. Two, DeAndre Swift. And three, Rodrigo Blankenship. Start all three. Uh-huh. Let's do it. All right, let's talk about this game real quick, and then I'll let you go. I know you need to get on SEC radio. Georgia's a 23-and-a-half-point favorite. Coach Muschamp, former Georgia alumni, is coaching those South Carolina Gamecocks. You know, I think Georgia just grinds them down, and I think they kind of take the same approach that they took against Tennessee last week. I would not expect South Carolina to punch them in the mouth like Tennessee did a week ago. I know South Carolina is coming off a bye week. Brian Edwards, their wide receiver, is an explosive playmaker. Rico Dowdle, running back, will get his pops. He's averaging like over six yards per carry, Aaron. But this defense for Georgia gets better each and every week. I think it's going to be important for Georgia to get off to a fast start at noon, put points on the board quick, take some shots, and then get this game out of hand because when Georgia has a lead, well, except against Alabama, they're pretty tough to beat. So I like Georgia kind of playing their stock Georgia brand of football and covering. I'm going to lay the points here. Georgia minus 23 and a half. I I think it's that classic late fourth quarter cover. I, uh, no, I think it's the other way around. I think South Carolina, South Carolina squeaks a touchdown in late, similar to what they did versus Alabama. You remember okay. that Alabama, yep. Yep. um, was covering the points until about a minute to go in the game and South Carolina scored late a touchdown. Yep. Actually got a defensive late hit on the quarterback. They get more life. They score a touchdown. And a lot of people are sad because they picked Alabama with the points. That's why I'm going with South Carolina in this game. Uh, I wish it was 24 and a half points like it was two days ago when yeah. I, yeah. Taking the half. points, but you're expecting Georgia to win, obviously. So it's right. 23 and a half now? Yes. Gosh darn it. Why was it 24 and a half? Sharp action. I've been yeah. all mindset all week of 24 and a half. It and might jumps. go back up, but hey, it's Thursday afternoon right yeah, now. No, I so. don't think so. Uh, I'll still take, mm, damn, that, that one point's a lot. That's a lot. Even that hook. I mean, you could buy the hook and get it to 24 but it'll be interesting. I mean, Vegas is really good, especially with the bigger spread. So I'm just laying it. I think Georgia's going to cover. I, I would I late. I would. I think Georgia could win this game by 24. That's why if it was 24 and a half, I like Carolina. 23 and a half, give me Georgia with the points here. Yeah, I like. Okay, so you're taking 23 and a half. You're laying the points. Yes. Okay, and if it gets up to 24, you're going with South Carolina. Yeah, I like. I think, I think Georgia wins this game by 24. I, I think like, Georgia wins by 24 points. Okay, that's good. Yeah, I like 38 to 10, 38 to 13 for either way cover. Um, it should be a fun weekend in Athens. And I'm telling you right now, 16 straight SEC East victories with a win is nothing to scoff at. That is some serious football within your own division. So expect the Bulldogs to stay perfect. They host Kentucky next week before a bye week. And then the world's largest outdoor cocktail party Aaron where are you at this weekend and do you have anything on the way out my man no off to uh Colorado Springs hey, where the current temperature is about 20 degrees Sweet. there's chance chance of snow Sweet. and let's do the damn thing okay. I had to go find some jackets for the weekend I love it I love it we appreciate all of you for listening big shout out to Dan Orlovsky for joining us follow us at punt and pass on Twitter and Instagram Aaron is at Aaron Murray 11 I am at Drew Butler 13 Dan 
is at Dan Orlovsky7. Enjoy a great weekend of college football, and we will talk to you on Monday. See you.